Jesus was loving, caring, and merciful, graceful, and all these things, that means that God is also these things up in heaven. He came down and gave his life for us so that we would be able to have that relationship with God through Jesus. But it wasn't until like I finally like actually grew up, um, like I finally knew like who he was like for me and not like for my parents, um, and which was like a loving father who sacrificed like his son to die for our sins. For me, I guess it made me love God more because he did so much for us, because he gave Jesus to us, because he, because he tried. He was like, oh, you guys are full of sin. I still want to put the effort into saving you guys. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Uh, how's everybody doing? Happy Father's Day to all of you. Yeah, let's give it up for the fathers. Isn't that beautiful, beautiful. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. I know, I know all the, all the dads in the room. I'm a dad as well. We don't get the love that, that the mamas get, but, you know, much love to all the fathers. It's so good to see all y'all here. Um, today, we're going to continue to um, speak on this same sermon series, Perspective. For those who don't know, my name is Matthew. I serve as one of the pastors here, and I have the awesome privilege of talking about a relationship with God, our perspective on a relationship with God. Which brings me to this question, what does a relationship with God actually look like? We're going to answer this question today. We're going to touch on that um, really briefly, but let me read this, and I'm going to continue to say this, hopefully, throughout the sermon. Gospel-believing Christians say yes to God to get God and not what God has. To be in relationship with God then would mean that you're after him and not after what he has. You delight, you take pleasure. Have you guys ever had like a good piece of candy or a good piece of cake or a good piece of chocolate or a good steak when you, yeah, yeah, it's Father's Day. I, I got one of those from uh, Costco, so I'm looking forward to it. And, and the refrigerator is fixed, so, you know, it's, gonna, it's staying cold right now. Hallelujah. Anyway, we digress. To take pleasure in something that tastes so good and to get that immediate satisfaction as you bite into it is what it kind of means to be in a close relationship with God, to find your deepest satisfaction in God and in God alone. There's nothing else that satisfies you, that, that, that will check all the boxes in, in your emotions, in your thoughts, in your feelings, in every aspect of who you are, more than this personal, close, intimate relationship with God. Now, some of you guys are asking, I can hear you, what is this whole next step thing? How do I take my next step after this sermon? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We have this wonderful diagram here that will push you to take uh, one of two steps. And might I suggest this? After you hear this sermon, it should drive you in one of two ways. One, if you don't know who Jesus is, hey, I'm happy that you're here. 
But after we finish this sermon, you might want to get close to Jesus or at least start asking some questions. So you might want to grab one of these cards on the seat pocket right in front of you, fill it out as best you can and say, hey, I got some questions about this Jesus dude. I want to investigate it further. You can drop this card off at Direct and Connect right outside these double doors at the close of the service. And they would love to answer any questions that you have. If you're the kind of person that wants to come to the front of the church at the close of the service, we'll have some folks at, at the front of the church that would love to pray with you and they can actually talk to you about this Jesus guy. But there's more. If you already know Jesus and you're like, man, I kind of saw myself in parts of that sermon and I wasn't comfortable with what I saw, you might want to connect with some folks who believe in Jesus because kind of how God has set this whole thing up, we get closer to God when we hang out with people who are close to God. Y'all got quiet right there. I'm going to say it one more time. Let me, let me try this side. We get closer to God when we hang out with people who are close to God. And so this little diagram here shows a table. It's cool to hang out with y'all in this big old room, but it's a lot better when we're one-on-one hanging out with each other at a restaurant. And there's so many different opportunities to do things like that. And you can find more information again by filling out one of these cards, just saying, hey, I would love to get connected with some smaller groups. Today, we're going to talk from Luke chapter 15. And if you're familiar with the book of Luke and chapter 15, you know that this is a, a book and a chapter that gives us the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. Everybody say, the lost son. And this parable actually starts off with Jesus interacting with some haters. Everybody say haters. Haters. The haters. Everybody's got haters. Everybody's got some folks that are opposite of them or opposing them or going against them. Jesus was no different. Jesus had haters and his haters happened to be religious leaders. And when the religious leaders saw Jesus hanging out with publicans and sinners, with those folks that were cheaters and robbers and folks that had bad reputations, they actually started to talk about Jesus negatively. They felt that Jesus should have been like them. They should have only hung out with religious folks. But Jesus got on their last nerve because Jesus didn't just stay with religious folks. Jesus actually hung out with publicans and sinners. Everybody say publicans and sinners. You know, those bad people that your parents say, stay away from. Jesus hung out with those people. And in the text, we see in Luke chapter 15 that it talks specifically about three parables. Everybody say three parables. There are three parables that we see. This is a a small portion of the entire chapter 15. I'm going to read it in just a minute. But there's three parables. There's a parable about a lost sheep parable about a lost coin and a parable about a lost son. The lost sheep, pretty simple. A guy has a hundred sheep. He loses one. He leaves the 99. He finds the one. He brings that sheep back. And everybody's like, hey, the sheep is back. And everybody celebrates the fact that what was lost is now found. 
The same thing is in the second parable that Jesus gives in order to talk to the haters or the Pharisees or the religious leaders, trying to prove a point to them. And he gives this parable about a lady who loses one of 10 coins and she looks all over her house, sweeps and moves furniture and gets a lamp in order to find this lost coin. And finally, when she finds her lost coin, she gets the coin and guess what she does? Hey, everybody, I found my lost coin coin and everybody celebrates and it's like you found your lost coin and the same is true with the lost son and that's where our sermon is today you can find me in luke 15 21 it says the son said to his father i have sinned against heaven and against you i am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, super expensive, and call it and, and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Celebrate good time. Come on. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, man. For this son of mine was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found. Similar parables, to prove a point, Jesus is actually communicating to these religious leaders and everybody else around, and he wants them to change their paradigm as it relates to what it means to be in a relationship with God. And today, my hope is that I can shift some paradigms around here as to what it means to be in a relationship with God. Some of you think that good people are saved and bad people are lost. But this passage is going to show us, as we see through God's eyes, that good people and bad people are lost. When their satisfaction is not in God and in God alone, but they're only satisfied by God as long as they're getting what they want. Folks, that are lost only want God for what he can give. They don't want God for who he is. As long as God is blessing, I'm showing up. But when God stops giving me what I want, if my health goes bad, if my money is funny, if my change is strange, if any of these things happen, maybe this God thing ain't working like I thought it was supposed to. So the writer kicks off this lesson, this parable, this earthly story with a divine supernatural meaning, this parable, this earthly story that Middle Eastern uh, listeners would have been able to recognize, usually about agriculture or about an inheritance like it is in this particular context. Jesus gives them this earthly story so they can connect with a supernatural heavenly meaning kicks off the story in Luke 15 verse 11 it says a man had two sons everybody say two sons the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of the estate I have coming to me now before I jump any further into this story we're going to see these three specific points in this story you're going to see a self-indulgent son, that's the one we're talking about right now, I just read about him. 
You're going to see a self-satisfied son. And then finally, we're going to see a self-sacrificing son. Self-indulgent, self-satisfied, self-sacrificing. The first one is a self-indulgent son. So self-indulgent that he goes to his father and he says, What's up, pops? Happy Father's Day. I want my inheritance. Give me my money. Now, as Jesus is telling this story to Middle Eastern listeners, they go, oh, everybody there with me? Oh, they are shocked that a son would go to his dad and ask for the inheritance because the inheritance is only supposed to be given to the son when the dad is dead. And so if the son goes to the dad and asks for an inheritance while he's still living, the son is basically saying, I don't want a relationship with you. I just want what you have. And then the next scene is even more shocking. The father responds and he gives it to him. This is not normal for a Middle Eastern listening dad here. He's normally, it would be something like my dad would do. If I would go to my dad and I would say, hey dad, you're dead to me. Give me your inheritance. Give me my money. Give me my third. My dad would take the back of his hand and say, get out of my face. <laughs> and I would duck and I would get out of his face. That's how a normal dad in that particular time would have responded. But this father's kind of weird. He actually looks at the son and he gives him this inheritance. But this isn't normal. This isn't like he goes to Wells Fargo and makes a big deposit or a big withdrawal, should I say, and just carts it to the son. No, in that particular time, they had all of their inheritance wrapped up in their property. And their property wasn't just some dirt. Their property was their status. It was their social capital. It, it was their reputation. So this father risks his reputation. He actually listens to his son and sells part of his property in order to get the funds to give to the son. The son takes the money and he doesn't stay or he, he doesn't actually leave and go to Silicon Valley and, and do a nice little cool little startup, start a little tech company. No, no, no. He goes to that version of Vegas, if you will, and he spends the money on prostitutes, on promiscuity, and on partying. He's like, yeah, I got the money. I'm having a great time at life. The text says he squanders, he wastes the money. Then bad goes to worse. Not only does he waste the money, but then a recession hits. Everybody say recession. Oh, Lord, a recession hits. And not only has he wasted all of his inheritance, but now it's bad economic times. And he finds himself in a very dirty pig pen. The text says he's hungry. He's envious of what the pigs are eating. He's far from his father's house. And an idea hits his head. Hits his brain. Text says he comes to himself. And when he comes to himself, he realizes that he's better off being a hired servant, a 1099 employee on his dad's estate than he is being in this weird random hog pen, barely making it. 
And so he goes, starts back to his father's house. He makes his way close to his father's house. His dad sees him from a distance. And in his mind, he's not going to be a son anymore. He's just going to be hired help. He's not going to live there. He's going to commute to work, work, and hopefully provide some level of restitution, some level of I'm sorry back to dad. Get some of that money back to dad. But dad sees the son from a distance, and, and unlike any other dad in that time, runs, dads didn't run then, he runs to his son, he kisses him, he hugs him, and he throws a massive party for him, puts on the best robe, puts the best ring on him, puts the best shoes on him, and celebrates the fact that his son was lost, and now he's found. And everybody claps and says, hooray! And it was a beautiful story. But there's more. But if we had to put a pin right there, this is a great moment to realize as Jesus followers, as those who committed their lives to God, when we are lost, no matter how dirty you are, no matter how much you've messed up things, no matter how many mistakes you've made over and over again, no matter how many times you chose to do the wrong thing when you knew better, God says to me and he says to you, I receive you with open arms. You can always come home and I'll call you daughter. I'll call you son. I will say that you are mine. Even if you stink, even if you smell, even if you've made a mess of everything, I will receive you every time. Now that's great. If that's how the story ends. Hallelujah, brother. We can get to the parking lot now. Let's go eat some chicken. Let's get out of here. I agree. I'm hungry too. But there's another part. The real reason that Jesus is telling this story, this parable to the Pharisees, to those that were the haters, to the religious leaders, is because he wanted them to see the older brother. The older brother hears that that there's a party going on. He hears music. He hears dancing. And he goes to a servant, the text says, and he asks the servant, what is going on? And the servant, one of the servants says, as they're both in the field, your brother's home. <clears throat> Little bro is home. He was lost and now he's found. And dad, watch this, has killed the fattened calf. What? He's killed the what? Not only do we have the self-indulgent son, but we got the self-satisfied son. The self-satisfied son is, is, is the self-righteous son. It's the one that checks all the boxes. That's, that's always right. That always does what mom and dad asks of him. And this self-satisfied son hears that his self-indulgent, partying, promiscuous brother is home now. Not only is he home, but dad has thrown a big party for him. Not only a big party, but dad has, has cooked the fattened calf. That's a problem because meat was like a delicacy at that particular time. They didn't eat meat with every meal. This is a big deal. This isn't like a New Year's party. This isn't like a 65th retirement party. This is bigger than all that. They, he killed the big, big meat. He got the big meat. He didn't even use goat. He used the fat calf. At this particular time, the, son is, the, the older son is seeing his dad as irresponsible. 
I told you earlier that the, the younger brother got the third of the inheritance, but the other two-thirds of the inheritance went to the older brother. The older brother sees this massive, expensive party for the idiot little brother and is like, you wasting my money. You're spending my money on this little ungrateful, disrespectful kid? I'm not coming to the party. I ain't coming. Have you ever had a family member like that? Have you been that family member? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he's like, I'm not coming to the party. I'm not coming. The dad finds out that he's not coming to the party. So the dad comes out of the party. He leaves the party, goes, goes to the older brother, goes to the son and saying, what's up, man? What's going on? And the older brother, he says, look. Super disrespectful, doesn't even say dad, doesn't even say father, doesn't even say happy Father's Day. He says, look, just disrespectful, he's mad. Now you see where his heart is. He says, look, I've done this, I've been loyal, I've been good, and you won't even throw a party for me and my homies with a goat. It's right there, you, you can read it. And, 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 you take the little brother who's done all these bad things and you give him the fatty calf. Come on, dad. It's not cool. The dad responds and he says, son, everything that I have belongs to you. <laughs> Watch this. He says, everything that I have belongs to you, literally and figuratively speaking. You're going to get two-thirds. The two-thirds that's left, it's all yours. Everything that I have belongs to you. Here's how messed up his mind is. He's thinking, you are right, which is why I didn't want you to spend that money on him. The dad responds with the same heart posture that he has for the younger brother. He says, man, just, just come to the party. You're welcome. Just, just come to the party. And the story ends right there. It's like, good ending, Jesus. Way to go. Way to end the story with a cliffhanger. Like, what happens next? Jesus wants to paint the picture of the first son who was lost and is now found. And he also wants to paint a picture of an elder son who looked like he was found, but he was really lost. The elder brother was so self-satisfied and so self-righteous that his hope was not in the father, but his hope was in his own ability. Just like the younger brother didn't want the dad originally, but he wanted what the dad had, the older brother didn't want the dad, he wanted what the dad had. And he leveraged being righteous to get what the dad had. He wasn't righteous because he honored the dad. He was righteous so he could look good and get what the dad had. Here's the application for the second brother. Be careful when you do things for God in the name of holiness, in the name of purity, in the name of righteousness, and it has zero to do with God's glory. 
Be careful when you just show up and you do the right thing and say the right thing and make sure your marriage looks the right way, but it has nothing to do with your relationship with the Father. It only has everything to do with what you can get from the Father. But there's more. Not only do we have the self-indulgent and the self-satisfied, but there's another son. We have the self-sacrificing son. Some of you guys are reading your Bibles and you're like, I don't see a third son, bro. <laughs> like, you reaching now. You reaching. You reaching. If you are a Middle Eastern listener to this particular parable, you know that there's something missing from this parable that was present in the first two parables. The first parable of the lost sheep had a rescuer that left where he was to find the sheep where the sheep was. The rescuer went to the sheep. Second one, the woman went to the coin. In this parable, the son returns to the father who was supposed to rescue the little brother. If you were in that particular context in that time, you would know as a regular old listener that it was the older brother's responsibility to go after his younger brother. And Jesus wants to show the Pharisee, the religious leader, the one who's checked all the boxes. He wants to show them that while you're self-satisfied and you're smug and you're sitting on your little high and mighty chair, because you're the allness of the muchness, there are people out there that are dying that you're called to help rescue. Jesus says, you missed it. You're more concerned about keeping the law for the law's sake and not keeping the law for my sake. And so he points out this massive point by sharing this parable. Listen, here's the shouting good news. I know y'all were looking for the shout. Here's the shout. This is it right here. Thank God that we don't have to depend on a selfish elder brother. Somebody caught it. Thanks be to God that we can focus and depend and be in relationship with an all-sufficient, a sacrificial, self-sacrificial, self-sacrificing Savior named Jesus Christ. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus is technically our older brother. And because he's our older brother, he says, I have chosen to leave heaven, to come down to humanity, to be able to be their rescuer. I'm going to go to them and pull them out of the thing that they have caught themselves in. I know this might be offensive to some of y'all, but you were messy. Some of y'all are still messy. I am a big ball of mess, and I need and needed Jesus to leave heaven, to come down, and to pull me out of the mess that I'm in. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is a beautiful ending that Jesus didn't tell because he wanted to leave them hanging so that they could see that they had missed the mark. There's only one way 
to be in relationship with God. There's only one way to be in relationship with God. You want a good perspective on what a relationship with God looks like? There's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to get to God but through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Please do not accept the bait of the enemy. The enemy wants you to believe one of two things. You are either able to get to joy and peace by being the younger brother, pursuing your money and pursuing your life and pursuing your lifestyle on your own abilities and just overindulging in everything you can possibly get. I just squeeze the life out of it. My dreams and, and my happiness and, and my hope and what I want and my post. That's one way. The other way is I obey the law and I do the right thing. I'm all about moral conformity. I'm all about checking boxes and always being on time and always doing the right thing because it's about the way I look and the way everybody perceives me. Jesus says both of those will end up in hell. Ooh. Jesus says both of those are ex excluding me as God. Both of those do not acknowledge me as the one who is the all-sufficient Savior. Jesus says there's another option. You don't have to depend on either one of these. But here's the question. The question is, what do you want? The, the question to you right now, you, yes, 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 you. I had to answer this myself earlier. Yes, you. What do you want? Do you want to just check boxes? Make sure you show up and look the right way? Is that what's going to get you to ultimate joy and peace? Or do you want to just do whatever satisfies you in the moment? If it itches, you scratch it every single time. Is, is that what you want? Or, or do you want that other option? <laughs> because if you want Jesus, Jesus says, not only will I satisfy you right now, but I'm able to satisfy you forever. Jesus says, delight in me. He says, pursue me. He says, try me, test me. And I promise you, while everything else around you might be falling apart, I can hold you up. Jesus, the self-sacrificing elder brother, says to me and he says to you, the only way that you're in a relationship with God is through the Son, Jesus Christ. Join me as, as I pray. God, we thank you so much that we don't have to earn our way back into your presence. Just like the younger brother who's on his way to his father's house thinking that he's not going to be accepted. God, you have open arms day after day, moment after moment, every single second of the day. You're with open arms saying, I love you. I receive you. I'm excited. Let's celebrate. 
God, I pray that we can receive that love, that grace, that unmerited favor even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.